Hi, it's dating coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Keith Mitchell. Keith is a former all-pro NFL player turned yogi, as well as a motivational mindfulness coach and a holistic health and fitness advocate. I recently attended one of his workshops while I was in Southern California at a wellness conference, and it had an incredibly profound impact on the way that I approached intimacy and sought deep connection. I asked him to come on the show today to share some of that wisdom with us. Keith, can you tell me a little bit about your background um, and how you got into the work that you now do? Man, you know, um, you know, I, I came from really just conservative background. My father's a preacher, a Pentecostal preacher. Um, I wanted to play sports. That was my out to get out of going to church. Um, so this whole football player evolved uh, straight out of Texas, which is the home of, you know, sports, the Dallas Cowboys and all these types of things as a kid, you know, aspiring to be an athlete. Uh, that's the road I, I journeyed. And um, that journey, you know, I was able to accomplish a lot of goals that, you know, society had told you that this is what you do. This is how you get to the top of the mountain. And I was on that road and I got to the top of the mountain that landed me into the, the National Football League. I was all pro, all American in college, all pro in, in, in the post football and and you know my eighth season uh you know after being six years in new orleans uh a year in houston um and then my year in jacksonville it all came to a reality you know and and making a tackle i made a million times end up on my back i'm diagnosed with a spinal contusion i'm in the hospital paralyzed um for for the you know for that attainment I guess I don't know for that that accomplishment to be on top of the hill and my body brings me to a reality <laughs> now what and um, I was diagnosed with a spinal contusion uh, suffering paralysis for about probably about a month or so maybe a little bit more and uh, I learned through that process uh, conscious breathing that I now know is meditation. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, when I was in the um, hospital, uh, through uh, an actual um, session where they do the, I don't know, the, the rehabilitation, I guess, right, uh, which was <laughs> funny because I couldn't move very much. And, you know, so it's, what can I rehabilitate? And uh, luckily for me, uh, in this particular setting, the nurse talked to me about conscious breathing. She asked me a question, you know, what happens when you breathe? And, you know, me as an athlete, you know, you would think I would know what happens when I breathe or know the, the dynamic of breathing and, and the importance to even be able to articulate it. Um, and I had no clue, which is very interesting because now it takes me to a whole broader perspective because as an athlete and my physical body, my functionality was my job. Now, when you take the subtlety or that's the extreme of that, now you go into the subtlety of that, like the executive, or the, the teacher and so forth who are not into sports, not the athletic background. And if I'm the athlete not knowing how my body fundamentally works when I breathe, well then how can we expect the soul person to know what happens when they breathe? So it's a very interesting thing because I didn't have a clue. And from that dynamic of conscious breathing and understanding what happens when I breathe, now I can use my breath as a tool 
a breath as a tool in this case to will myself to be well, to heal, and opening up those channels that in about 10,000 breaths I take a day, I can manipulate my breath to heal my body. It's so powerful. One of the conversations that keeps coming up is how the breath is like one of the few functions in the body. I've heard the only one, but I've also heard one of the few that our body does automatically. We don't have to think about. And at the same time, we can also control. And I'm curious, while going through the process of learning to control breath and become conscious about it, how have you learned that it's helped you and how has it become something that you use to heal your body? Well, the mechanics, uh, the understanding of uh, the fundamentals of why we breathe and to use it as a tool. So like, I mean, you can understand speed to an extent. Okay, you have a certain level that you can run, but then you can develop a certain speed that can catapult you into being a, an Olympian, you know, or a, a certain version of an athlete. You can understand memory, memorization to a point of like, oh, I can remember things, but then you can actually expound upon that tool to take you to be a poet, uh, a, a public speaker, uh, you know. Now, and this is what we're, so now we're talking about the breath. Well, the breath has so much of an engagement in regards of what happens when you breathe. Uh, you know, the base principle of breath, breath is a vapor of water, which is a base principle of minerals. Uh, minerals are a manifestation uh, in, a manifest, in a manifested form. They're food, it's food. So when we take in, in consideration the vapor of water, a manifestation of food in we, what we call breath, so we're actually nurturing our bodies with this dynamic of minerals, you know? And when you breathe, the mechanics of your body, the diaphragm on the inhale pushes down, on the exhale, it pushes up. And it's attached to these muscles, the transversus core muscles. And as you activate these muscles more thoroughly, well, the deeper the diaphragm is allowed to push down. So when it's pushing down, right? Because in the upper extremities, a heart, lungs, they don't need your help. You know, they, they move on their own. So they don't need your assistance. So when you breathe deep, you breathe into the internal organs, your digestive tract, the large, small uh, intestines, uh, liver, kidney, uh, gallbladder, uh, you know, all these types of organs, they need your participation or they begin to be stagnant. So now what are you doing? You're moving around blood flow. Blood is carrying the information. It's prana, it's chi, it's your life force. And you're moving it and expanding it and circulating through your body so you can actually be human. <laughs> you know, the, the expansiveness of this allows you to be human because we don't breathe and we think the heart, and we put all this pressure on the heart to, to circulate all this information that I like to call nutrition or, or oxygen. We, we're putting all this demand on the heart and that's why our hearts fall out. That's why our hearts collapse. You know, a lot of cases we don't even have the heart to be able to withstand all that we are required of it to do because we have all the congestion throughout the years and years of just whether it be chemical exertion or the types of food, the substance that we put in our bodies that creates this uh, the, the, the congestive pathways so the information can't flow. So when we allow breath to move through our bodies, we allow our this, this functionality to happen now we promote uh this information to expand through our body this is a base principle of for expanding or expanding consciousness 
What does your breathing practice look and feel like? Well, the, the cool thing about it, when it becomes to be a practice, well, then it begins to be a habit. I always say practice creates habits and habits uh, result in your lifestyle. So you don't have to think about it. Just like once meditation becomes your practice, well, over a course of time, well, meditation begins to be how you exist in the world. You know, so so that's the reason why we practice. So, you know, I always take things in regards of, of, of um, you know, pro sports because, you know, pro sports has this very interesting parallel to consciousness because we're holding an intention and an intention can represent your game plan, you, you know, your playbook. That's why my book is the Mindfulness Playbook. It'll be out next year. I'm so excited about that and sharing that with the world because you're, you're executing in your yoga practice or in your meditation, your satana, you're practicing this calm, but anyone can be calm in the midst of, you know, being in the garden or next to the ocean or, or being in the Himalayas and, you know, and you're just, you know, but, but, when, but the test is when you're in midst of what we call conflict. So conflict is an interaction, but also conflict is through is defined through your perception of what conflict is. You can take it from a lower vibrational perspective or a high vibration. And so when you really, and that's what we're going to do in this book, you really take in these dynamics of what we actually say to get our own interpretation and not how the public or propaganda has given us this interpretation. Because even if you take in concept of meditation, or if you take in the fundamentals of what meditation is and what it does. So a lot of times I, I lived in the ashram. I, I love Osho's work and I went to go stay in um, the Himalayas um, there in, in Kathmandu at a, at a commune called Tapaban. Uh, and we meditate for eight hours a day. And, you know, realizing that the fundamentals of meditation, you're secreting the breath retention, is secreting the dopamine in your brain. So what is dopamine? Dopamine is basically the, the, the oxytocin, the relaxation, it's re, re, uh, creating melatonin in the body. So you're basically blissed out and you're basically in a, in a base fundamental, you're, you're in a high, you're in a high state, right? Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a base fundamental that, okay, great, but how do I make it practical? How do I make it function in my life? So now you have to put yourself in the situation because circumstances, you know, naturally happen in life. And it's not good or bad. It's just what it is. And from that, from what is, we can build. But typically where we are and how we've been conditioned from what is, we begin to be the victim. And from what is, we begin to deny what is. We begin to create stories about ourselves from what happened and things of that sort. So that takes us far away from our truth. This is why you hear a lot of verbiage talking about, I want to speak my truth, because the hardest thing for people to do is speak their truth. This is why I teach a practice of contemplation. So questioning and answering, all problems are solved by questioning and answering. But the, but the ticker or the trick is you have to answer the question truthfully. What do you mean by that? Um, a simple thing is, you know, we lie to ourselves more than anything. We try to fix things like we don't when things are so ugly, like if you're talking about uh, the household, like, you know, I grew up in a verbal, physical, abusive home. And, 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 and until I begin to cultivate or allow love in my life after I have compromised myself and 
have been conditioned to compromise myself in my household, thinking verbal abuse, you know, you grow up in 18 years of verbal abuse and physical abuse, you think it's, it's a norm. Uh, I go, that, that's what prepped me to be a good football player. I was used to the abuse. I could take the abuse. I was Teflon. But then after, you know, when my, I realized the vulnerability of my body, uh, you know, and we put ourselves through these things, but our bodies are very vulnerable. And then coming to realize that and then, and then, and then like uh, in a way of, of forgiveness, creating the space to forgive myself for that and to create a concept of self-care, self-love. Well, then I had to come to realization that I didn't know love in my life until probably the age of about 32, 33 when I started my journey. And that's ugly for people to under, to come to that base uh, understanding. And we want to fix it. We want to, well, we want to rationalize. Well, they didn't know. They did the best they can. It's not about rationalizing. It's coming to the base, the bottom of whatever it is so I can, from that foundation, build from. And if I'm, and if I'm weaving into this and I'm rationalizing and I'm justifying into this, well, I never begin to build a base point that I can build from because I'm in denial. And in denial, healing is not possible. Can you talk about getting to that bottom? Like, was it an experience or something that happened or were you, did you just keep removing layers until you got there of through this process of asking questions and, and finding answers? Like, what was the moment where you realized that you didn't really have love in your life? Well, you know, for me, it's just contemplating my life and, and seeing where I was and seeing the position I was in. You know, I didn't have relationships. I I didn't develop relationships until I began to cultivate the relationship with myself. I mean, I think that the, the, the trick here is that our whole lives in my, well, my life, let's just stay on me for 18 years, uh, even back until, you know, I thought relationships was when I met someone else. I, I was never learned that I had a relationship with myself. And whether and the, and, the, and, the, and the interesting thing about that is whether you realize you have a relationship with yourself or not, you're forming patterns and behavioral practices with that relationship that you have with yourself. <laughs> you know, so, so you're developing a lot of uh, patterns and, and habits about, you know, neglect neglecting self. This is why you have a lot of people in society running around looking for someone to be patient and compassionate with them when they can't even do that for themselves. They can't give themselves an opportunity to, to, to grow without judging themselves. But then they have an expectation of someone else doing this for them. It's not logical. It's not sound. And then that is, is my, my case that we cannot build from that. We have to come to an acknowledgement of wherever we, wherever, wherever we are and realizing it's not good or bad, it's just what it is. And from what is, we can make decisions. We can make decisions saying, okay, if I go, you know, what I've done in my past, has it served me? To what extent has it served me? Do I wanna to continue to take this? Is this actually an epigenetical thing? Meaning, is this something that I picked up from my mother and father, which is typically a lot of us, you know, a lot of our traits are through that. Now, going forward, is this going to help me live my higher self or not? And coming to those conclusions and moving from there. <laughs> uh, I was just thinking epigenetic is definitely like a four or five dollar word. <laughs> mm -hmm, yeah. uh, but this idea that we pass on our, our genetics uh, are passed on generationally. We can pass on trauma and like. Um, well, it gets very tricky with that. 
because it gets it gets very tricky with that what's passed on and how it's passed on because it's not necessarily even in a lot of cases the genetics per se it's the habits the habits the patterns that we pick up yeah i think that's an absolutely great point even things like like you or the example you're using about love like what does it mean to love yeah the, what does it mean to love oneself if if we know what that means what does it mean to love another person what does love look and feel like and sometimes these things that we pick up don't serve us and when that's the case it's so important uh, i've learned in my own life to to reflect on them meditate them examine them whatever you want to call it but get to the root of that and and so that we can try to build something something different and you talked about self-love. What was it, that process? I mean, I, I know when I, I met you at Wellspring, you were doing a workshop. I thought it was really powerful. Uh, maybe I'll talk a little bit about some things I experienced later on this podcast. But you talked about uh, rubbing, I think, your dad's head. Was it your dad's head or giving your yeah. mom a sock? Like this idea of, like, I mean, it was like really powerful. Like you wanted to show. Well, actually, can you just talk about it? Like when you were telling that story or when you went through that experience, what was it that you want? You were trying to communicate or felt like you needed to communicate to your to your parents? Yeah, that's a great question. So the thing is that what we call triggers, what we want to, you know, we've, we've kind of made the concept of word, this word trigger uh, fashionable. So we, we attach to it, but trigger just simply means you're still holding it. <laughs> and, and your body encapsulates about 70, 80% of your communication. So in your body, even though you can speak certain things, but your body won't lie. And so knowing that, like I mentioned, the household I grew up in, and, you know, at some point, you know, I could go into the, those things deeper. Uh, I had a lot of trauma in regards with my father in particular, and also with my mother. And so for me to be able to engage with them, the only way I can engage with them, I have to have none of that residue, none of that residing in me. And if I did, there's no way in the world I could actually do it. And that's, and I want people to, who are listening to this, contemplate this. This is probably why the reasons why a lot of us hadn't done this to this day with the people that we claim we love. How did you get to a place where you felt like you could move past this stuff? I mean, you talked about self-love, like, was that part of it? And if so, like, what was that process for you of learning to accept and love yourself? And how did you get to that point where you were really able to forgive and and let go and try to nurture these different types of relationships? Well, I had to surrender. I had to surrender and I had to choose me in love. I had to choose me because realizing by doing this and letting that go, that was just gonna allow me to be my higher self. These things that we hold in us, they, they, they limit us. They, 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 they limit our ability to have the experience. We're here to love, we're here to connect. And a lot of reasons why we can't connect or why, you know, we, we put we create these stories of why we can't connect or sabotage ourselves in this is because those things are still haunting us from the past. It's the saying. That's why I say the saying, uh, uh, you think you're conscious, well, go home and live at, at home for about a week. You see how <laughs> conscious you are, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think haunting is a great word, right? Yeah. Um, like uh, to feel haunted by something or something activates us and it brings up these this conversation in our brain or it causes like uh, sometimes an intense reaction. So how was forgiveness just a conscious choice that you made and you let go? Is it something that 
happen in an instant? Was it something that you have to constantly do? What does that look like for you as a practice? Well, it came to my awareness. I, one of the first books I read through my journey was The Art of Loving by Eric Fromm. And, and Eric Fromm, a psychologist back in the 80s who was profound, and he was breaking down how we come to this conclusion of love. And in this book, he had uh, a teacher, profound teacher, J. Krishnamurti. And when I found J. Krishnamurti, it just, you know, just blew my mind because he teaches the contemplative practice. I mean, he taught it back in those days. And, and, and he was talking about the conflict. The conflict is only a conflict when we create the story around the conflict. We build the conflict up. But the nature of conflict is the nature of life. We're constantly uh, coming in and out of our, in each other's existence. It's the nature of the interaction between the, the entities, living entities. And if we make it uh, a negative thing, well, then it will be negative. But if we allow ourselves to go into it and realize this is the happening of life, well, then the, con the conflict doesn't exist. It's just, a, it's just what is. And so for me, uh, the trauma that I had been holding, I went right into it. So I had those discussions with my mother and father, the things that were ailing me, that were holding me back from being me. And uh, I didn't want to hold it anymore. And I, and I didn't care about how it, I was perceived, if they thought I, was, I lost my mind or if they thought I was weak or whatever. And, you know, those little stories, those little voices want to haunt you and come up and say these things, right? But I, I was like, I don't care, you know? But those are the same little voices that get you in, like, you know, when you go into a yoga studio as a man and seeing nothing but women there and saying, oh, I can't do this. So it's not, it's not just, so I guess the point that I'm, I'm making with that, those little voices are limiting you here, and they're basically, uh, that's where they actually began. But on a 360 plane, because we're not a linear being, these, these, these little voices are limiting us in the other aspects of our lives to have experiences. And we're here to have experiences in this vehicle and live and love and so forth. So if we don't, if we don't you know, at the root of it, cut that cord, as they say, well, then it, it's going to make us a victim to it for the rest of our lives, in my opinion. One of the things that I hear in you, I, I heard it when I sat in your workshop in Palm Springs. I hear it from you now when I speak or as I'm speaking to you. It's just like the way that emotion f seems to flow through your body. And there's so many other men that I meet that, like I ask them how they feel and they talk about how they think. And so what I'm curious about for you, because it feels so real and authentic, like, do you think this has always been the case for you? Or do you think this has been a product of your journey? I mean, like, I, literally, I can sort of like, feel it's like, I feel like the love coming through your voice and, and, <laughs> and the passion for life, like that emotion is there. And it just feels so authentic. Um, do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah, I see where you're going with this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, for me, I live that life of like, you know, the the publicity and the so-called superstar, this is about my life continuing. You know, the, the nature of human connection is a continuous of our, my own healing. It, it's a continuous of my own growth. And and it's not about uh, how I'm perceived or like to be this celebrity person. I've already done that. I mean, if it was all about that, then, you know, I, I've, that doesn't excite me anymore. But what does excite me is to be able to share and if my story can help other people, and if I can say something that can inspire someone else, 
I mean, that, that, that gives me, that's an exchange of energy. That gives me, uh, that's medicine for me. That's where I am. I, I, I do this because this is my life. And, and in the sense of love, if love is not a, a, an idea for you in this life or in living, well, then what's the point? I mean, I think you have a great point there. And I just feel like it's so hard for so many men to, and there's a period in my life where like, I didn't feel like I could feel love. Feel like I did, and then I shut down for a while, and I couldn't, and then uh, I could again, and I look back at that, and I just like I couldn't feel love, and I couldn't feel a lot of emotions, and I see that so much. I mean, so and so many other men. I was at a dinner last night with a guy, just a really wonderful human being, and he was telling me at breakfast about a month or two ago, he's like, you know, I don't really feel emotions, and and as the conversations sort of like continued, I would see like a twitch of his body or something. I'm like, what what was that? And he's like, ah, just nothing. I was like, yeah, but no, what was that? That was a reaction. What were you feeling? And he had such a hard time connecting with it. And um, himself, let alone that deeper connection um, with other people. Not, I feel like I have, I connect with him, but he describes like not being able to connect with other people on a deeper level. And um, and that was one of the things that really interested me about like the workshop I did with you, we did this exercise where we sat with our legs folded and then we had to look at the person across from us and talk to them about love. Can you talk about that exercise? Yeah, so it's a basic uh, modification of a yabyum, which is mother and father. It's, it's, it's a base principle of sacred geometry. And it's basically uh, a slowed down variation of connecting. Uh, and, you know, in this case, we didn't have the, the, the equal numbers to man to woman. And so some were, some were just were women to women and man to man. And, and then the cases that were woman to man, they had. So you put your right hand on the heart, uh, you're, you're eye gazing into the person's eyes across from you, and you're breathing with them. And, and when I had first experienced that for the first time, and I had been granted, you know, I mean, you know, back into my days of being the athlete and the superstar from college at Texas A&M and, you know, I had been around women my whole life. I had, I've had relations with many. I had never done anything like this ever in my life. I have never sat and breathed with a person with no agenda, with just no ideas about the person, but just to experience their energy. And that was so profound for me because after all this, this calisthenic things I had kind of done in my life, this was substance. I could actually feel the person. And actually, if you, and as you gaze, the longer you gaze, it's a very interesting thing that happens. Because as you're looking into someone else's eyes, you actually begin to see your own reflection. You feel the, you feel the facades kind of melting away. You know, it's like, I mean, and that's, that's, that's raw. And in my opinion, the natures of relationships. I mean, that's that's how we begin to build the stronger bonds with one another. That's how we begin to be on code with one another in regards to what love is, because I think we do a lot of relating to the idea that we have about relationships and love and not to the actual people that we're relating to in love. Yeah, with my experience with that, I think you we start off and there was a prompt like, what is it to love another person or be loved or something? What would, do you remember what the prompt was? Oh, yeah. We also asked the question, uh, what is your greatest fear? Oh, greatest fear. Yeah. What is your greatest fear? What are your, what are your boundaries? Uh, what is your greatest desire? Because in contemplation, you can be able to contemplate how are you holding that. 
Yeah. 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 It, it was so, so powerful. I did it with, uh, I did it with this girl and I think she spoke and then I spoke and then we did the exercise where we put our hand on each other's hearts and then, uh, closed it with our other hand closed uh, put our hand on top of their hand which was on our heart with the other hand and just looked in each other's eyes and began to uh, match breathing and i could i know exactly what you're describing there's like this part at first where it's a little forced because it feels uncomfortable and then like there's a sort of a melting away and, and then and then somebody smiles and the other person smiles and it just gets more and more and more real yeah and I'm glad you said that because you said it gets uncomfortable. So now people who perceive in yoga, well, that, well that's a yoga. Because that's, that's when yoga begins to be yoga, when it gets uncomfortable. And see how we hold that intention. Because we, we have a linear approach with even what the concept of yoga is. This is a yoga of the mind. <laughs> this is where it counts because that's where we live. A lot of, a lot of cases, we live in our heads. <laughs> so it's like so it's like putting the mind practice into it now we can call it mindfulness whatever you want to package it but the idea is to put ourselves in the so-called conflict it, it and was, allow ourselves to be sorry yeah i, I, I was gonna say <laughs> I, want, I want you to finish your thought about it it was just like yeah. it was just so powerful i it's funny i had done a similar exercise well not quite that like it was just holding hands and looking somebody in the eye where like i had my client do this with a girl that i was dating and at the time i had just like gone through a lot of trauma and she wanted to do it with me afterwards and i just couldn't do it with her it felt too intimate and i regret like i regret not being able to do it now it was just the place i was at and i've been doing a lot of sort of different exercises around that um and different things i've been involved in as i explored my own sort of journey and wellness and and the exercise when i did with i had we had three partners and the, the girl that i have been seen or dating i wanted to do it with her first and she refused to do it with me and um and so then i had to pick like the next person closest to me and i felt so connected to her and i think she felt the same way like i thought about her for like six or seven hours afterwards because i just yeah. felt so emotionally connected and right. then the girl that i had just started seeing it just felt i think too vulnerable for her but she tells me that right afterwards she goes uh, we're going next <laughs> she didn't want to do it with me the first time but then after she saw me do it she saw me do it with someone else yeah. she wanted to do it but I, I could see it was it was hard for her um to do it and then i did with a third partner and she kept laughing or like she'd make a comment she kept trying to break the intimacy yeah and i feel so lucky to have had those four different sets of experiences where I couldn't do this, where I was able to do it and be fully present. And I had to, uh, somebody I'm intimate with who was struggling a little bit with it. And then somebody who I just had was a stranger and just could not do it. And, um, and just like, and having those different shades of experience to feel the different levels of a connection. And I know, I mean, it's just, it was so powerful the one time that it really worked and we were really connected. I'm like, how do I get back to that in every yeah. relationship in my life? Yeah. Um, do you see where I'm going with that? Of course, because by intuition, like what you got from that experience right there with those four different situations, you begin to understand because people are showing themselves the whole time like this. And so now you begin to understand no matter how beautiful the package is, where the substance is. Yeah. I mean, everything, everything just sort of faded away, right? Like there's these things that I, I feel like we all are do definitely, go ahead. Do you follow what I mean by the substance? I, I think I do. I will actually okay. explain it, and then I'll tell you what what my interpretation of, of it because I started to go into it. But explain to me that explain to me your definition of it. 
well, the substance meaning their ability to connect back to you, to relate back to you. See, a lot of, be- a lot of people don't have that capacity to. They're just not there, uh, the maturity level. It's like going into a room where you, I don't know if you've ever done work in schools, but I get to go into schools and talk about mindfulness and so forth. And you see the kids, uh, the one who's wanting to be disruptive and the ones who don't want to listen and things like this. This is the same dynamic and just a bigger version, an older version. Explain that. Well, it, the same mentality is there. The same maturity level is there. It just hadn't been like they haven't they haven't grown. In a lot of cases, they haven't grown because society hadn't pushed them to grow. You know, if, if the, the male, the masculinity showing up in the world is to get that woman back into her higher self, to get her in, that's, that's the nature of them. That's why it's called the mother father. It's a concept of Tantra. And the male is the base, the foundation to allow that mother to be, to be comfortable, to embody the love, the expression, and to be in her power. But because the woman, you know, we're going into this concept of epigenetics, we're going into this other stuff, and, and it's cool, but what I'm saying is, I don't want to make it so complex, but what I'm saying is a lot of reasons, a lot of maturity level hadn't been there, hadn't been established there with the woman, unfortunately, and the men hadn't been able to lead them there, been able to show them there, you know, which is a very interesting thing. And that's a lot of trauma. A lot of trauma is residing in those things because if if that dynamic, like we just talked about uh, breathing and now we're going to take a turn into this because intimacy is, is very important in our society because we want to, you know, we feel we want to participate. But it's the same thing as the breath work. If I can't articulate my breath, right, well, then I can't use it as a tool. We have established that. So now the nature of connecting, you know, nature of sacred geometry, you know, because this is what we're getting at. Now we can get into creativity. You can create into the healing dynamic here because we've been, you know, for me, I'm at the age of 44. So I have 44 years or whenever I begin to be intimate with women, I've had, you know, a person not being able to engage with you, knowing what they're doing or doing the dynamic of a calisthenic where we've been traumatized. So by not knowing and participating, we've also created perceptions of ourselves about these, about ourselves in this situation of intimacy. So in a sense, we haven't even given ourselves a chance. Why? Because we just didn't know. But we're not, we're too, again, back to the stories, we're too afraid to just speak about how we just don't know. So we make stories. We don't, we, we justify, we rationalize it. And we can never get to it. But in this, man, this is where it gets very genius and very, I mean, this is like, um, again, this is a base principle of sacred geometry because, and, and we didn't get a chance to go into to this part in the class, but the woman's po- uh, polarity pole is in her chest and then the male is in the genitals. And when those dynamics come together, this is sacred geometry. This allows creativity to happen on this plane. The woman has the portal for existence to come to this plane, meaning a child, but she also has the, 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 the portal for creativity, whatever you're manifesting to come through this portal as well. And that's when it gets really powerful. Can you explain more about what that means? Because like, I think if someone says like, uh, this power is in men's genitals and, and women's chest. Like, I don't think guys will fully process like what that means. 
Well, sacred geometry is because we understand we're electrical beings. So if you if you uh, hooking up batteries and you put an, 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 uh, uh, the positive where the negative is, and you try to expect it to come on, the machine won't work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like, but when you put the dynamics of the positive with the negative, it creates a charge. And that's the dynamic between, as they say, Shiva, Shakti, masculine, and feminine coming together. Uh, that's where that power happens. And granted, we all have that, the XY chromosomes within ourselves individually. But when that dynamic happens together, that's another science. That's the science of nature. And through that, creativity is born. Dating coach Chris Luna here. This is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. This way you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchrisma.com, create an account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website, Craft Charisma Live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. And who knows? Attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. When you think about intimacy and you think about sort of creativity in the context that you're you're describing it, what comes up for you? Healing. Healing, healing comes up because that energy is like, what do you do with it? You have this energy that you're conjuring up, but because we haven't been told or we have limited understanding of it, we begin to just marinate it, marinate into it. Just kind of like the meditations, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you're secreting the dopamine. So we're basically getting high. But over time, if we don't do something with the high, if we don't ground it to an intention, right? Like a contemplation, how, what am I gonna do with this thing? Well, then it begins to be just like the crackhead on the street, which is blissing out to get high. But now we're adding substance to it. Now I'm bringing it to a place, as they say, I'm grounding it. Now I'm grounding it, I can take this energy that we're conjuring up in this practice, in this engagement of intimacy, to whatever extent you're creating it. Now I can, if you, know, if you, th- if you think a prayer is powerful, now the most powerful energy that you have is your sexual energy. Now you're sending that to places. Now you're healing yourself with that. Now you're putting that into your manifestations. Now look at the possibility. What would be examples of some of the situations describing intentions people might have or for, for the listeners who are like new to this concept? I mean, it could be very, it can be extreme. It could be very simple. It could be, uh, you, have, you have an idea to build a career. Uh, uh, you have a, a business plan that you want to execute. You want to have, you want to be in your creativity. Uh, uh, you, you want to, you know, there's all kinds of things you can conjure up this thing with. Uh, 
You can send this energy to heal other people. You can send it to the planet. Uh, you know, it's to whatever extent you want. But it's to actually use that energy because you conjure up this energy. And you even feel it. I mean, you've been through the experience. So you, can, you feel this energy sitting here. And we're just sitting here just blissed out. You know, as they see on TV, you see the guys that take the hit and they're just laying out. But what are we doing with it? So we can send this energy. You tell me, you mean to tell me I can take this energy that I'm conjuring up and I can send it to not only healing my body, I can send it to, if my mother's sick, I can send it to her to heal her. If I have a, an idea about uh, 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 launching a book or doing a book, I can send it to that creativity. I can send, if I need a new job, I can send it to that. If I want a house, I can manifest that. All these types of things are available to us. We're just sitting on this intelligence. So if, if somebody wants to, I mean, like you're pretty developed in this. How long have you been doing this now? Oh, man, since, um, I don't know, 14 years. But I've been teaching for about four or five years now. Um, I say four or five because I took a year off and I just kind of went out the country. Man, I was like, I was in the ashram living, studying. I've been, I was in Egypt through the pyramids meditating. I've, I've been on a really amazing journey. I learned nutrition in Honduras with Dr. Sebi. Um, I just been really just gathering all the information just from my, my well-being. And, and I'm, I'm fortunate enough I could share the information that I've gained um, in my own journey, uh, plus what I've learned abroad. So, so that's why I say four or five years. But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, um, I've, I've, yeah, I, I push the buttons of life, right? I, I, I love pushing the envelope of life. So I, I think it's awesome. Um, and for somebody who's starting starting this journey they're just like uh I, like i'm not really i've been on some dates or i've had a couple of relationships and people are telling me like i don't really connect with my emotions or or, or uh, i'm not really they feel disconnected from me like, they're just like they know that something's off and they need to start this journey where do you suggest that they start well i would say start with nutrition first and foremost and particularly with um i say all of us but particularly with the woman uh because uh, the nature of the woman, as soon as you start your menstrual cycle, right? And so you begin to understand what the, the importance of minerals. That's why we spoke about the importance of minerals when it, we were talking about breath. And we mentioned with water, and we also mentioned with some foods and so forth. Well, the minerals are so important. And when the woman starts her menstrual cycle, what happens is she's, she's losing a lot of her nutrition. You know, we think of, oh, I'm bleeding, but we don't think of the substance of blood and what's, what's being lost. And it's a lot of minerals. These minerals are being lost, so nutrition is being lost, and it's not being recuperated. Therefore, you're malnourished. And anybody understanding the nature of being malnourished is going to create a, a conscious behavior behind that. So in order to get filled with nutrition, the proper nutrition, you need to start supplementing to get minerals that can be replenished back into your body so you're not walking around for 18, 20 years malnourished and then begin to build a perspective or a perception of yourself because you've been my nurse you haven't given yourself a chance <laughs> so what type of food should somebody be eating if if nutrition is an issue and it's tied to health and brain function and like well-being what should people be eating well i i eat and i suggest i have a company coming out of meta nutrition um and we recommend an alkaline uh, vegan lifestyle so, so foods that assimilate to the body uh, and through our supplement, we allow, uh, we, we set you up where you can have 102 minerals implemented into your body 
per day with an emphasis on magnesium, calcium, and iron. Magnesium is for brain cognition, brain functionality, brain development. You can, with, with a proper uh, simulated um, supplement of magnesium, well, you won't, it won't allow you to be in depression. It's fuel for the mind. But my teacher, a quick note about my teacher, Dr. Sebi, a uh, profound uh, nutritionist, uh, herbalist, uh, who's, who's transitioned, he's not with us anymore. Um, back in the 80s, he, he fought against the state court uh, and the Supreme Court of the state of New York, uh, suggesting that he could heal cancer, uh, HIV, and so forth. And he won. I saw I saw a video of I don't know some of the listeners may may know the group TLC and the one Lisa Left Eye Lopez. Yep. I, I saw a YouTube video and she was in Honduras with him and I saw that I was like I want to go there because I had been in so much pain in my physical body, uh, so many concussions from all the the damage I had done to my brain from playing football for 16 years of my life. Uh, I needed help. And I dove into the nutrition, and it's been the the other game changer of 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 my of my uh, evolution. It's interesting because I I don't know a ton about nutrition. I had some interesting conversations while I was in at Wellspring around nutrition and how food affects the brain. And one of the ideas, like I definitely subscribe to, is this idea that food is our best medicine, right? Like, and and. I find it really interesting when you talk about some of the approaches that you're taking with food and it makes me really curious. So when you think about, I'm, I'm curious when you talk about like your exploration of like, I guess it would be herbalism or um, mm-hmm. like what were some of the effects that it had on your body as you started to adjust the things that you were putting into it? Well, things begin to be chronic because uh, you're not supplying the body with the tools to rebuild. And even in our mindset and westernized, you know, thought patterns, we typically think, okay, if my bone aches, I need to get calcium. Or, you know, I need to get calcium, magnesium. But I'm suggesting to you more like the whole brain thought pattern, like the 360 uh, brain thought pattern when it comes to looking at your well-being and looking at it simply as such. If my house is burned down, why well, can't just come back with bricks. I need the bricks, I need the mortar, I need the wood, I need the nails, <laughs> I, need, I need plumbing, I need all these types of things. So I cannot look at recreating or building cells with calcium magnesium. I need to have the 102 minerals. I need to have the whole shebang to build what I'm creating, this house. And we're trying to come and build with two or three items and that's not, that's not sufficient enough. Well, I mean, it's interesting, right? Because like most people, when they, I think guys think they're doing a good job if they like go into GNC and they get like a multivitamin. And what you're describing for those guys who think they're doing a good job is probably a fairly radical, radically different approach. So like if somebody wants to start on this process of exploring sort of herbs and and, uh, what they should be putting into their body, like, do you recommend certain supplements? Do you recommend that people get them organically? What does this look like in practice? Yeah, I can I say read up on it. Um, Ameta Nutrition is is my company. Ameta A M E T T A Nutrition dot com. Uh, but back to the what you said about the multivitamin. Well, a lot of those multivitamins you you pack it in a in a tablet 
that your that stresses your liver out and stresses your kidney out, and you can't even break it all down. And the majority of it, you're peeing out. And a lot of it is, is from rocks. It doesn't even assimilate to your cell structure, your cell body. We use alkaline plants. And the reason why we use alkaline plants, uh, the cell body of a plant, from an alkaline perspective, the only difference is the nucleus of the cell. It has magnesium and we have iron. So when we ingest the concept of an alkaline plant, it assimilates to the cell. So we get what we need from it. Oh, what's the advantage of being alkaline as opposed to being acidic? Well, alkaline, it doesn't, you know, naturally, what I believe the guy um, who won a Nobel Peace Prize suggesting uh, no viruses can live in an oxidized environment. Uh, I don't think it was Emoto. It may have been Emoto, but he was, I think he was about the water. But um, that's a fact. That's a theorem. And so the alkalinity of the plant is going to eliminate synthetics. It's going to eliminate uh, anything that doesn't assimilate to the body because when it doesn't assimilate to the body, it's like the feeler. It's just like kind of like we talk about gluten and the body doesn't know what to do with it. So it's, it's, your body is taking it in. You're expecting it to process it, but it's like, what am I going to do with this? This is, I don't know what this is. So now there begins to be toxicity floating around in the body. So our idea is to eliminate that process and, 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 and ingest foods that's going to uh, assimilate where our bodies are going to do what it needs to do with it and extract what it doesn't. Who are some, like if somebody wants to read some books on this and explore this subject, like mm-hmm. what would you recommend? What resources do you recommend? Well, I mean, YouTube is a perfect place for, for, for that. Um, you know, go check out Dr. Sebi, uh, uh, Google alkaline uh, foods, alkaline um, um, herbs and things like that. Um, and and you, there's so much information there. Uh, the herbs are so profound. I mean, we're, I'm working with herbs that have the ability. I mean, and again, it's all literally written there that suggests that some of these herbs can uh, activate uh rewire uh, genetic displacement, your microRNAs and your gut. Like you talk about the gut, uh, that was created 88 days before your brain was developed. You know, the gut is, you have more neural nets in your gut, your stomach than you have in your brain. So it behooves us to pay attention to the gut because it totally dictates our consciousness. Think of it, if you're hungry, you're gonna be more temperamental. You're gonna be more on edge, on edge. You know, but when you get food in your mouth, you're going to feel calm. You're going to like, ah, oh. you know, you're going to feel full. But unfortunately, in this environment and, you know, and from where we've been, you know, we began to compensate into food and we've made food more than what it is. It's like, it's like we make food cake and like we made sex love. And it's not the case. Uh, we put food in our mouths for functionality. You know, we can still have enjoyment with food, but it's like you put gas, you put the high octane gas in the car, not so the car can enjoy the gas, but just for the functionality. Because when you put that high octane gas in your car, well, it's going to move a certain way. And so in this case, when we're putting ingestion in our mouths, we want for brain functionality, brain capacity. Now I can open up my channels, open up my my existence to feel uh, all my intelligence. Um, I begin to open all that up and now I can really function and maneuver in the highest self that I want to. For guys who are listening to this, because most of our, our listeners are men and, and they feel like they need to 
open up or they feel like they're closed off and maybe something feels wrong. Uh, what what other suggestions do you have? And we've talked about a little bit about nutrition. We've talked a little bit about um, connection. We've talked a little bit about intimacy and we've talked about breathing. I mean, what, what other things do you suggest for the guys beginning this journey of trying to open up so that they can really deeply connect with themselves and others? Well, I say two things. I say, first I say, I mean, you got some profound people who are teaching, uh, you know, find someone that you can learn from. I, I, I've been able to find some really amazing people that I can connect with to learn from and ask questions with. Um, and then the second is ask questions. You know, you don't know what you don't know. And to, to live life having the same experience over and over and over, knowing that it's not satisfying us is redundant. And like, what's the point? And we have to show up in this world. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of attack on masculinity, period. And so the more we know, the more we're, we're we can, uh, you know, uh, have an understanding about what the circumstances we're dealing with, you know. And it's not um, this attack doesn't mean that we have to be at arms against femininity, but we have to be able to support the feminine, in the sense of what we were talking about in that posture of Yap Young, to be able to support them and like build them up, because that nature of that dynamic is is going to take two people to heal that. You know, we, it's going to take both of us to heal that that dynamic of trauma, that dynamic of hurt, resentment, and what have you. So the more we're uh, equipped with understanding, the more we can deal with the circumstances. When it comes to some of your mentors, you talked about the art of loving by Eric Fromm. Um, you talked about uh, your exploration into herbalism with uh, it, it's is it how do you spell his last name? S e S e b i. Dr. Sebi, S-E-B-I. Who are some other some other teachers? I know you have a book coming out, but who are some, uh, until that book comes out, who are some people that really impacted you and really inspired you in, in this process or this journey? Yeah, you know, uh, Ganga White from uh, uh, White Lotus. Uh, that's who I, I did a lot of training with him. Um, some other mentors of mine, uh, Baron Baptiste was a... Uh, still as a friend and a mentor of mine. Um, so I've had some really strong men to be in my life um, to support me. Um, one of my first teachers, his name was Chinook. He's out of Dallas. Uh, and I, I didn't realize, I had never had a male speak to me with patience, compassion. I always had men yelling at me to get things out of me through the sense of sports, right? My father was like that too. Uh, and so when I began to have the experience of yoga and hear that I began to one recognize I had uh, authority issues. I had resentment when it came to men, you know, and uh, and I began to heal that just subconsciously because I was in the space where a male held space as a man and 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 shared that with me, you know. So so be around, find some uh, some powerful men who can can help us support, we have, to, we have to lean on each other. You know, we have to learn from each other. That's the reason, you know, the elders give us, to share the information. We have to search out the elders who can give us the information. I don't want to consider myself an elder just yet, but I'm, I'm 44, but you know, uh, yeah, but find someone that can, you know, reach out to me. Uh, I'm, I'm totally open. I, I, uh, however we can uh, help the cause because we're all in this together. We're all walking ourselves, walking each other home, as they say, right? So uh, it's important to find those types of people that we can, we can lean on for information. 
I mean, that brings up a really great point. Oftentimes I think, I mean, there are people who are listening to this podcast because they're, they're trying to find that mentorship. I think it can be difficult for guys who are earlier in this journey to distinguish like when somebody is a good mentor and when they're not. What are the qualities that you look for when you're seeking these, these elders? Well, I think we have to look from a lens, um, you know, and we have to get out of this idea of uh, perfection. I mean, you know, no one's perfect, right? Uh, and in the, in, the, in the environment, in a lot of cases, as toxic as this environment. I mean, you, you, a lot of the situations of why you learn is because you went through something. <laughs> so we have to understand that. We got to take this, the, the God or Jesus complex out of it because no one's perfect. We've all made mistakes and, and it's not, you know, the mistakes don't have to define you. It's like, what are you doing after mistakes or after the mistakes, you know? Uh, and I think that's where you have to consider the most because we're just in an environment where, you know, the, the mistakes are pushing us to evolve or they have pushed us to evolve. So uh, realize that and, 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 you know, if a person is coming off perfect, realizing that doesn't exist that would be something that would be a red flag for me <laughs> i i hear you it's funny i was i was at an event the other day and um it was an entrepreneurial event it's like a little different different world but i was at this entrepreneurial event and i tell the guy next to me i'm like all these presentations are way too polished it's actually making me feel uncomfortable. And <laughs> I, and like, I like, I mean, there are people asking questions. And one of the things that we're talking about, like, is both of us wanting to go up there and just ask, like, what do you not want us to know right now? <laughs> just like, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, and I went through that process when I was younger. Like I, I, I wanted people to, like, I was scared that people would hear or know certain things about me. And so try to compartmentalize that. And I get older. I'm just like, fuck it. Like, I mean, yeah. I, and I, I saw a friend, I'm like, sometimes I feel now like my life is like a pail of paint and every time I turn like shit spilling out, <laughs> it's like yeah. emotions are spilled out, things are spilling out. But like I was telling this woman this and uh, after this, uh, this class we went to and she goes, I definitely see that. She goes, I feel like everybody's like that <laughs> in life and, and like we're just spilling shit on each other. And, um, but I think that that's a, that's a really important point is that our real lives are a little messy and it's from these experiences that we have the potential to learn and grow. And when we get these messages from the world, or at least in my experience, I get these messages from the world that something's off because I hear it over and over and over. Um, like I could keep ignoring the message, but I've learned is like, that might be something I want to examine and I might know yeah. not, might not know what direction I need to go, but like that's where the questions start popping up for me in the exploration and that for me is the beginning usually the beginning of the healing yeah yeah and, and i'll also like to add to that i mean from what you're doing here as a platform and and creating a space where men can come is huge man i, I want to commend you for that because i mean you know as you know probably yourself myself coming up I mean, we did. We had to search. I didn't know we didn't have things readily available like you have, and like you're creating this platform that men can come and listen in and and hear points of views. You know, uh, it's 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 huge, man. So we have to build you up. We have to let you know that what you're doing is 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 huge for masculinity on the planet. So uh, 
you're a great asset to what we wanted to do and what and how we can create this this evolution of change for masculinity on the planet. I, I definitely appreciate. I mean, I appreciate that. I, I feel like for myself, even though I'm a coach and mentor, I've been doing this ten years. I feel like I'm I'm on the journey still, yeah, <laughs> and I don't know. Yeah. If it, I don't know if it will ever end. <laughs> but I, I definitely appreciate. I definitely appreciate you. I I kind of have one one last set of questions, and they're really around. I mean, you talked about it before, but I mean, there's been so much um, built up anger and resentment in women for a long time that sort of like manifested with the Me Too movement and some of these other things, which I feel like was a massive release of trauma. And like, and I, I definitely could anticipate it because I felt like as a dating coach, I coach men, women, people are gay, straight, I don't really care, but most of my clients are men. And every once in a while, uh, in the years leading up to that, I would have somebody just sort of like go crazy on me. I'm like, what the hell just happened? And, uh, when they found out I'm a dating coach and I coach guys and, and, uh, and I'm like, I feel like I've worked on this issue more than, than anybody I've ever met. How do you teach somebody to consensually approach somebody and touch them and, and move towards intimacy? And, and, um, and so like I couldn't, like I definitely could anticipate it. And, um, and then when it happened, like I definitely wasn't surprised, but it's, it's made me really like go into an exploration for myself around what does it mean to be masculine? What does it mean to be feminine? What is it, what do our partners in these relationships need from us? And what do we need from them? And, and how do we connect on a deeper, a deeper emotional level? So I'm curious with you, you talked a little bit about it, but what are the types of things that when you experience, uh, I mean, I'm assuming you're experiencing some of the same things that we all have experienced by when we pop on the news or have conversations with friends or people open up in our workshops or classes. Like, where where do you think things are with the current state of like femininity, masculinity in our culture, and where do you think they need to go? Well, you know, where, where I think they need to go, we have to definitely heal. I think there's going to be a, a transferring of power in the sense of, you know. Uh, you have more educated women than you have men. Um, you have women, more women are going to be making more money than men. Um, but, you know, we, we, I think we can't afford, we can't let the energy of money dictate our abilities to connect or abilities to see or have ideas about ourselves on the, on, in the world. The money doesn't rule us. We've been letting money rule the situations for far too long. We have to be okay with being human. In this dynamic of evolution, feeling, compassion, all these types of things, it's allowing us to be more human, right? And I think the more a man can be secure with being human, it gives him the capacity, right? It gives him the capacity to make all the money that he would want, be creative in this area, be creative in this area. I mean, it gives him all the tools that he'll need to survive on this planet. The awareness, to build this awareness of and holding this masculinity on the planet uh, is what we have to tune into. You know, building that up and developing that is 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 going to be huge for us. And if we don't, we get we're going to get we'll get lost into the equation. We'll get we'll be back into like uh, we'll be the victim. We'll be uh, you know because I'm not this. I can't find a date. Or I can find a woman to love me. Things like that. I mean, we'll be in that equation. And so we have to think in regards of, you know, the material things, the societal things like money is so much more to it. You know, get in touch with you and you will attract, you'll bring all those things that you need to you. When you say being more human, what does that mean to you? Feeling, 
feeling compassion. Uh, it gives you, uh, it allows the intelligence, the senses to heighten. Uh, so you can actually maneuver with things outside of your, you know, your, 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 your head, you know, we live life in our minds so much. We, we see the dominant projections that we're projecting with our eyes, but this intelligence of observation, this intelligence of feeling, the senses to, to, to hear, to ask questions, to articulate ourselves, to, to get to know people. You know, one of my teachers, um, he says, before you begin to be intimate with someone, ask them 130 questions. You know, get to know these people, relate to the person and get them to relate to you and share a vulnerability and put it out first. You know, and, and, and you, when you when you can, val you don't need that validation of material things and you can be uh, confident in who you are because you've done the work, man, the last thing you're going to have to do is worry about women, especially in a, in a society where men are, are, are hard to find, <laughs> you know, so so the more you can hold that space and understand who you are. Man, you can walk. You can walk as such, and you you won't have to worry about those things. Yeah, it's so awesome. I mean, it's so beautiful. And I mean, it's funny because so much of our courtship process, uh, or dating, or whatever you want to call it, is like the opposite. It's like you meet somebody on a, uh, an app you don't know. There's no communal connection, right? You don't. Maybe you have a mutual friend on Facebook that you don't really know, or maybe you do. I don't know. But like, we we meet up with somebody, like um. So many dates, I think, are people having drinks, so they're dulling their senses. Uh, it's completely can be very superficial, and then people hook up, and if they don't hook up, they they don't get that need met. They move on to somebody else. <laughs> it's yeah. just like the whole thing is like so much of it is dulling the consciousness. Yep. And um, and, and that's why we have to be back. We got to get more human. We have our dynamic with each other has to be human. You know the nutrition. I mean, it's it's a it's a fact. I don't know if you've heard this, but uh, a person eating processed foods, the reasons why they have uh, their palate uh, doesn't adjust well, or they don't have the liking to natural foods when they first make that transition, is because the the palate has mutated. The palate has mutated. When they say that, right? When science says that the palate has mutated, well, that's telling me that I have lost some of my hum humanness. You know. And, you know, and then if you understand the dynamic of yoga and, and being present in your feet, you know, and, if, and most of us hadn't been in our feet and our bodies, we're just getting in our bodies again. We're just getting our palate back together again. So we're, we're having to get back to our intelligence, intelligence of, of, and, and being human. So that I think the more that we can hold that, right, the more we can invest into building ourselves up in this, with this mindset, this idea of humanness, uh, everything else, man, you won't have to worry about anything. You won't, I think you'll be fine. You won't have to, you won't need the validation. You'll be fine. I just keep thinking about this idea of, as we pull, take off more and more of these layers, we just get connected, as you said, more to our emotions and our, our intuition. Mm -hmm. and, and so much, there's so much wisdom in that in our body, right? Yeah. And in our feelings and in our intuition. Um, Have you checked out human design? I haven't, no. Oh, I think that's something you need to check out. And even your listeners, you may want to check out human design. It's a very interesting concept. 
um, you can Google it and you go and you put your, your date of birth, uh, the place, your name, the time of birth is important and you get your design and it gives you a profile with your inner authority. It's a very interesting dynamic. It's the, it's the I Ching, the 64 gates, uh, all connected, numerology all connected. And it gives you a very interesting um, interpretation of, of, of who you are, uh, the seat that you were. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. Um, it, so it sounds interesting. Um, I don't know, before we pop off, like or we get off, like we're toward, getting towards the end of the time, um, is there anything else you really want to share, words of wisdom, thoughts, uh, ideas for the people who are listening to this who are, who are all on their journey as well? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a there's a saying that I, I really love and it's really kind of sh showcased in my life. Uh, you know, we cannot be afraid to to live, uh, to jump, as they say. And, and there's a very interesting tale of that. When you jump, uh, whoever you're supposed to be will catch you and just trust in that. And when you when you manifest, you put things into the universe. Uh, the real faith is realizing that it's going to come. It's going to come around and support. But you have to you have to trust. You have to trust. And, and you can never figure this out. You can't do this in your head. You can't you couldn't even as you wherever you are right now, you couldn't put a, a, a pen to pad and, and, and suggest the, the way you got to this place. You couldn't write that down. You couldn't verbalize that. So you will never know how you will. All you can do is commit to doing, commit to evolving, commit to growing, commit to healing, and everything to take care of itself. Keith, this has been incredible. I'm so glad to have met you and sat through your class and had the opportunity to talk to you on the podcast. And if you're listening to this, you want to learn more about Keith, uh, we're going to post some links on the Craft of Charisma website and in the description of this podcast so you can find out more about his work and his upcoming book. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Yes, thank you for having me. Yes. It's dating coach Chris Thona here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, share it with your friends. And lastly, go to the Craft Christmas website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.